Hey there, do you love pet content and want more of it? If so, please hit the subscribe button. Your support helps keep this content free and lets me know you're enjoying the show. So please hit that subscribe button and maybe even give us a review while you're at it. Thank you. When you get a new pet, your daily life typically changes. You start to develop new routines and a lot of what you do all of a sudden revolves around your new furry friend. But more than just changing your daily way of life, a pet can also help you think, act, and feel better than you did before. And this is true even of people who haven't always identified themselves as animal lovers. Just take Dr. Darian Sutton, an emergency room physician and a medical contributor for ABC and Good Morning America. I love my pet so much, but I don't always identify myself as an avid cat lover. And I think the reason why is because it kind of fell in my lap. My um, partner, Philip, and I in New York City, I don't know how it happened, but we one day walked by a cat cafe and we decided to go into this cat cafe because my partner, Philip, he loves all animals. It's actually quite beautiful. So we go into the cat cafe and there was one cat who was just sitting by himself in the corner. And he had essentially, I guess, been somewhat of an alpha cat, so he wasn't really getting along with everyone. And he seemed so lonely. And lo and behold, that became our first cat, Frederick Knickerbocker. Dr. Darian and Philip brought Fred home and saw that almost immediately their lives were heading in a new direction. Oh my gosh, I felt like I was adopting a child. And so it kind of threw me into this parent mode that I didn't know I had. But that wasn't a bad thing. In fact, a couple of years later, Dr. Darian actually found himself craving another shakeup in his life. He was training to become an emergency physician, and during his time off, he felt like he was missing something. So he brought home another new cat named Juniper. With Fred and Juniper to take care of, Dr. Darian found himself better able to organize his own life. He felt more connected in so many ways. People often talk about companionship with animals. I receive that. I hear that. I don't see so much as companionship in these cats. (laughs) But what I do see is they create something or invoke something inside of me that keeps me on track. The daily process of caring for them, as before this podcast started, I was excited to tell you about a new litter box. But some part of that allows me to do things where I'm not connected to work and I'm not connected to anything else. And I don't know. I really kind of enjoy that. I enjoy taking care of them, making sure that everything is set up taking them to the vet, checking those things off my list somehow translate to me being more organized in my life. Having pets helped Dr. Darian find more balance and structure in his life. And coming home to Fred and Juniper, and Philip, of course, made him feel safe. And that's a sentiment you hear all the time from other pet parents who have experienced the benefits of having a pet. So what are some of those benefits? And what is the science behind what's happening between humans and pets? Dr. Darian explains all of that right after the break. Stay with us. Do you have a very good boy or girl who you want to reward with some special treats? If so, look no further than Blue Nudge's chicken jerky. My dog Teddy goes absolutely crazy for them. And can you blame him? They are slow, oven-dried, easy to tear, and packed with protein. And these tender treats are made with real USA chicken. With no artificial flavors or preservatives, Blue Nudge's jerky cuts are a healthy way to celebrate everyday moments. Get them wherever you buy treats. And if you haven't yet, download the Buddies app to earn rewards and connect with other pet parents like you. Welcome. 
Dr. Darian to Life with Pets. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited to be here. I've never done, uh, I've never had a conversation like this. I have to say that. Well, I'm excited that, you know, we're here together. Big topic that we're going to talk about today, which is just understanding how a, an animal, having an animal in your life, a pet, can affect your daily life, can affect your health, can affect your mental health, your physical health. Yeah. So I want to know kind of the background on that. There's a, tons of scientific research into this, but it still seems like it's still just people are still figuring it out, the actual what's happening between humans and pets. So what can you tell us uh, as a as a medical doctor for humans, not <laughs> animals, what's going on in the human brain and the human body that we know of when you have a when you have a pet? Well, you know, the data is vast and mm -hmm. it's constantly growing, but unfortunately, it's somewhat mixed. Um, I can start with my story. Uh, funny enough, even though for some reason I don't identify as an animal always enthusiast as much as I really am, I did a lot of my base research studying budgigers or, or commonly known as parakeets. And we would often study um, uh, yawning, which sounds which sounds like a strange thing to study in birds, but we studied the reason why we yawn, the reason why birds yawn. And something that came out of that study, which I thought was really interesting, was that humans can respond to certain animals who yawn and vice versa um, for other animals, and specifically it's dogs. Uh, I remember reading about how dogs can trigger an emotional response in our brain that we can't control in somewhat of a reflexive way that can uh, make us receive that yawn as if we're receiving it from another human. And when I think about the interactions with humans and animals, I often think about that study and how that connects to the wiring in our brain that causes changes that benefit us. You know, there are studies that show that uh, having pets, specifically dogs or cats, can decrease your rate of cortisol or that hormone associated with stress. And mm -hmm. that might often also be associated with things like lowering your blood pressure. Now, we don't know what comes first, you know, why this happens, because we just see these associations and we don't know necessarily what's the cause. But there is some information and a vast amount of data that shows that animals actually can benefit our health in a variety of ways. And just to even the playing field, can animals also have a negative effect on you? You hear people like, oh, I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid yeah. of people. I'm, I'm afraid of dogs. Like, can it also work in the adverse way? You know, I think a lot of that more often is environmental rather than innate. I think mm -hmm. oftentimes people's experiences or fears of animals come from some experience most often that has caused them significant trauma that kind of sticks around. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, even those I meet people who like love, you know, to talk about and see photos of dogs, but are definitely afraid of anything bigger than like her palm. I think about when she tells me about her experiences as a child. And again, something about and I think that's why it's so crucial that you have safety with pets around small children. There is something about your growth and your wiring of your brain that when you have these traumatic experiences, especially at a young age, they kind of become cemented and they require real work and therapy often to work through. So I think that that definitely exists. But overall, I don't know if there's truly a negative impact other than the ones that we have created from unfortunate environmental circumstances. Sure. And then I mean, just speaking of what you mentioned, like trauma, environmental circumstances, things that have happened to us, I think we've seen that animals can be helpful in dealing with that. You know, PTSD, a lot of soldiers come back uh, from war and they get dogs, uh, emotional support animals, uh, and then service animals in general can be 
obviously huge helps to people who have all sorts of needs. So can you talk to us about that and, and the very specific role that animals play in people's medical lives? You know, I wish that there was more funding and access or, or more funding to create access to allow for these opportunities for so many. I can't even begin to, to talk about the data that shows, you know, the therapeutic benefit or the psychological therapeutic benefit of having a pet around you. And obviously, we know the physical benefit of having a service dog around you for various reasons, you know, medically. Um, at the end of the day, I just wish more people could have these service animals because they're actually really incredible. It shows that these things specifically, you know, when we're talking about service animals in terms of dogs and also just therapeutic pets, uh, and that can be depending on what that person prefers. It shows that it really benefits people, not just in what we just discussed, like blood pressure and cortisol in terms of stress, but also in a therapeutic way, reminding you when you're taking care of them to stay on track. You know, the simple mm -hmm. act of walking a dog, it has a secondary benefit of you taking a walk by yourself, uh, paying attention from something other than the normal stressors of your daily process. So I think it's certainly there. It is so obvious in terms of the benefit. And I just wish that more people could have access to it. Is there a way that medical professionals can be more active in, in bringing pets into the lives of humans? Like, you know, uh, can a psychiatrist, I don't know if prescribe is the right word, but like prescribe a pet to somebody who's struggling? How can a, a doctor form a, an opinion, a diagnosis and say, like, maybe a pet could be helpful here? Yeah. You know, I think in first, uh, you can't change something you don't measure. And so I think first and foremost, uh, increasing funding to things like research to show the actual benefit so that you can utilize that information to create a stance and say, hey, this is helping patients. Uh, this is why this should be covered and insured. I don't know the specifics regarding, you know, private insurers or um, or those who have Medicaid, Medicare coverage in terms of like mm -hmm. the access to things like this. But I'm sure it's abysmal compared to, you know, the people who probably do have access to service dogs usually spend a lot more money of their own in order to get that benefit. And so it ends up becoming a luxury. So I think that um, advocating for more research on what is the benefit with service animals and other therapeutic uh, pets, and then also making sure that we try to increase that access. Yeah. I mean, personally for me, my dog, for my backstory, I got Ozzy when I was 18 years old and I was in the worst place of my life. I was depressed. I was heavily drinking and using substances and I was anxious. There was uh, there was so much going on with me. Like I was in a full, basically a like mental spiral downward. I was with my parents at the time and my dad was like, how can we help you? And I was like, I just really need a dog, dad, get me a dog. And you know, I, I was also in therapy. So like, let's, let's set the stage. Like I was in therapy, I was trying, getting help for the things, but I was like, give me a dog. And they, they finally caved and I got Ozzy and it did, it gave me, it gave me more purpose. It gave me like a reason to get up every single day. It gave me something to take care of that was like outside of my own head. Um, and it was, it was a step for me in becoming a healthier, happier person. And, you know, like I said, I was in therapy. I got sober. I've been sober for 14, almost 14 years. <laughs> uh, he, he saw me at my worst. So yeah. he saw a year of not sober Hillary and then the rest of sober Hillary. So like he, he was, a, he wasn't a cure, but he was 
something that helped me that I can look back on and say, if I did not have Ozzy, I don't know where I would be. I don't know if I would be here or, or how long it would have taken me to get here. Hmm. And I don't know if that's something that you can talk to just based on knowing me for these six minutes that we've <laughs> known each other. <laughs> um, but like, how, how can, I'm sure you've heard other stories that are like that. How can other people who are going through stuff like that, you know, think of a pet as something that can help them? You know, first, first, thank you so much for sharing that. That was an incredible story that I did not know. I felt really honored to sit and listen to it. And I'm so proud to know someone who has gone through that and can speak publicly about it. Because at the end of the day, when we talk about subjects like this, it really helps those out there who are listening, battling with their own various things. Because uh, mm-hmm. one of the anchors that I always work with on Good Morning America, she always says, we've all got something. Yeah. And so I always find it that pets can provide that opportunity where you feel safe. I think oftentimes we're looking for that safety. And I think that's what often people are getting. But again, I I think that there's a huge secondary benefit when you talk about the routine, the walks, Mm -hmm. the making sure that you need to be able and available for that pet, because in many ways, it's kind of like having a toddler. Yeah. And it kind of organizes your life um, and you end up being organized from a second hand reason. You know, you're just trying to make sure that you're getting in line and make sure that you're doing the things that your dog is doing. And then it reminds you in a way to take care of yourself as well. I think about that when I take care of my cats, at least. It, it reminds me just like, oh, they, they, they're living fantastic. <laughs> I should be, I, I wouldn't feed them horrible stuff. And I feel like I give them a lot of activity and games. And I feel like I don't do that for my own self. And so sometimes it reminds you um, to get back in step with things that benefit your health and your, your mindset. So I think that's really what it is. It helps also for you to just pause your thought. We live so fast right now in mm-hmm. the setting of all the screens around us in terms of our phone, the information coming at us. When you're interacting with a pet, you really can't do much of that. You know, if you're really interacting with a pet or playing catch or taking them for a walk, it's probably not safe to constantly be on your phone while you're doing those things all together. So I think it kind of forces us to slow down, to stop, to pause. It gives us that feeling of safety and then reminds us to take care of ourselves. Yeah, just live in the moment and, and live for something else for just a little while. And just generally speaking, for human health, like how can people be more in tuned to their health, to what they need, to their mental and physical bodies? You know, before even thinking about their pets, like let's let's think about us for a minute. Yeah, you know, they talk about life's essential eight. I think it was defined by the American Heart Association where they discuss the eight essential things. And I'm going to list some of them because I have to say sometimes I forget in times like this. (laughs) But the eight essential things that you should do, you can just simply Google it. I promise it will come up. (laughs) Um, And then key things include basic things like sleep. First and foremost, we should all as adults be getting at least at least seven to eight hours of sleep. Uh, The younger require more. Uh, Like, for example, those in elementary school should be sleeping 10 to 12 hours a night, which uh, (laughs) I just wish that was a recommendation and a requirement. Um, Also, just obviously your diet, uh, stopping smoking, uh, curbing your alcohol intake, making sure that you get some form of cardiac physical activity or try to at least 20 to 30 minutes a day. And that doesn't mean that you have to run at the fastest pace. That just simply means taking a walk, which again, I think is part of the reasons why um, you see health benefits with those who have dogs. They've shown physical health benefits in terms of associations to decreases in blood pressure, decreases in in their weight, and decreases in the rate of uh, myocardial infarctions or heart attacks of those who have dogs. And I think it's purely because of the, again, it reminds you of this life's essential eight. 
Um, and then the other three or four, I'll have to get back to you on. I keep forgetting. <laughs> we'll we'll Google that. Google's yeah. our friend. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, we'll also link it up in our show notes when we post this. So we'll have it for everybody who's listening. But talk to me about, have you seen or experienced as a doctor or just as a human who lives in the in the world with other people, how a pet, like an instance where a dog, a cat, a pet has positively impacted somebody? You know, as an emergency physician, you'd be surprised. Uh, I have patients who come in all the time with their pets with them. And I feel like because I'm a pet owner and only because of that, do I understand it? Um, I've seen patients feel that incredible, again, that sense of safety. Um, The emergency room is a terrifying place. And there are times in emergency rooms that I worked in where they would bring the dogs down so that they can provide some comforting effect. And I saw it really, really take hold. I saw patients get comfortable, specifically small children. The emergency room is even, you know, if you think it's scary as an adult, it's terrifying as a child. So I think when I see a lot of the child life specialists who interact with kids to help them feel more comfortable in the emergency room and try to, you know, make them uh, less scared, uh, the immersion and use of pets has been incredible. Um, I love when they, again, I wish there was more access and more availability because, of, of course, you can't work a dog every every single day. You got to give him a break. <laughs> yeah, I used to take Ozzy in his younger years. We would go to a nursing home and we would go visit the residents. And it was an immediate day booster for them because they, yeah. they couldn't have pets there, but pets could come visit. And it, it was incredible to see like they looked forward every Sunday. They knew Ozzy was coming and they would they would light up when they saw him. And it was they they, they would tell me, like, this is the best part of my week. And they just provide, like you were saying, comfort, safety, just a, a sense of like warmth and, you know, something to calm you. They would just sit and they would feel better for a little while. And I think that's beautiful that an animal can do that. And even a cat. I don't, I don't I didn't have a cat at the time, so I couldn't bring the cat with me. But <laughs> I think a cat could do the same thing. Like, yeah. I'm sure you have experienced it. My cats remind me to take a nap. <laughs> Yeah. Like every time I see them taking it, I'm like, that looks so comfortable. Let me just lie right here. <laughs> and I'm the worst at getting, I, I sleep is definitely uh, something I'm constantly working on for myself. And so just getting sleep and reminding myself to rest. I think that's what also my cats do for me. What kind of cats are they? Like, I know oh. Juniper is, she's a, a social a social media star, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. your other cat, Fred, not so much. Yeah, they're both, you know, honestly, who knows what kind of cats they are? I'm not sure that there's, we'll ever know. Um, I didn't do a 23andMe <laughs> on them yet. Um, but no, Juniper is funny because she does not like being touched or picked up, really. I mean, she everything has a time limit, it feels like, yep. with her. Um, but she will never leave your side. I mean, in the shower, outside, she will go everywhere with you. Um, but she just don't pick her up, but she'll be right by your side. <laughs> she just she just needs to know you're there. She doesn't need to touch you. <laughs> yeah. And Fred wants to live under your armpit. So that's an interesting dichotomy. Do they get along with each other? Like They get they... very jealous. Um, they uh-huh. only really fight when um, you're uh, both of us are like, you know, around or interacting, which is I think is interesting. Um, uh, Fred gets very upset if Juniper gets held because um, he always wants to be held. My dog Teddy is going through something right now. What is it, you ask? It's the true blue effect, which is all the benefits your dog could experience from the key ingredients in blue life protection formula. I'm talking healthy coat, strong bones, muscle development, immune system health, great digestion, strong joints, and lots and lots of energy. Try the blue life protection formula now and see if your dog benefits from the true blue effect. As a doctor, you work a lot. You work 
all the time. You work long hours. And cats are good because they don't need you there all the time. But I think it's still a relationship that's important, like that they look forward to, that they care about. It's not it's not a one-way street, you know? Yeah. They they love you just like you love them, even though cats get a bad rap that they don't care about <laughs> anybody. Obviously, Juniper wants to be with you 24-7. And they love it, you know, because I, I often have to be home late at night. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and cats are nocturnal mostly. They're sleeping most of the time during the day, so they're excited when I'm up at 3 a.m. for no reason with them. <laughs> You use um, social media a lot with the, with the Juniper in uh-huh. particular, but also just like as a doctor. And I want to talk about that as a platform, social media. What are you trying? What What's the message that you're trying to spread yeah. when you post on social media? How are you trying to help people in a more like straightforward, easily digestible way? Because like I blew through like all of your videos. I'm like, oh, there's so many helpful tips here. <laughs> I love, um, you know, I love to democratize education. I think mm-hmm. that the process of learning something for me, it just makes my heart sing. Uh, I used to tutor when I was in college and I found that I didn't know what I wanted to really do at the end of the day, but watching someone figure something out or helping someone through that process I don't know, it brings me a level of joy I can't explain. So uh, when I became a doctor, I always knew that I was going to educate in some way, shape or form, whether that be uh, publicly on television or just in my phone. And it really started in my phone just discussing cases that I think are interesting because there are so many moments in the hospital or just in life when I'm like, wow, I'm pretty sure no one knows this because I've never heard about this, you know? And I just want to equip people also with the language that we as doctors use because it's honestly a separate language. And I feel like, Not many doctors, unfortunately, are bilingual and communication isn't something that's really fostered in education or the world of medicine. And doctors, at the end of the day, were never really trained to communicate. So I'm always thinking to myself, for the people out there who have a diagnosis that I'm about to teach about, Mm -hmm. um, I hope that they find validation and also understanding more in their disease process and they feel like they can ask better questions at their next appointment. You know, yeah. so I think that for me, um, yeah, I just love that. I, I, I'm thinking about today, my case, my, my upcoming case, I'm already thinking about it and writing, writing the notes down in my head. It's such a helpful thing, too, because we talk about this on the show, too. We've talked about how if a pet parent has a question, they'll go to the vet and the vet can't really t- help them. In some cases, because they only have medical knowledge as opposed to like behavioral knowledge or how to communicate what's actually going on. Exactly. Trainers have kind of stepped into that place where they're like more communicators and talking. But like, I think it's important to have that common base of communication. We're like, this is what's happening. And let's just talk about it in a way that everybody understands. Yeah. And I think that veterinarians are often better at it than doctors, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because in my experience, at least um, veterinarians have to communicate in all of their, none of their patients speak English. I mean, they have to be able to communicate what's going on and convince people of problems and also explain the risk and the benefits of their intervention. So I think Mm -hmm. that they do that so much more than Probably we do because there's a lot of decisions that are made in, in, in your mind as a physician about the options. Long story short, I just find that, yeah, I think that communication is key um, on both spectrums, on all spectrums. I, everyone should. I feel my dad has this theory that uh, well, my mom has a theory that everyone can learn. Uh, and, but mm-hmm. my dad just says, no, Darian, they're just dumb people in the world. I'm more on my mom's side where I truly <laughs> believe that I can teach some, something to someone um, regardless of their educational background. 
Your parents sound just like my parents. My mom's a teacher through and through. She yeah. will teach you all day long. And my dad says something similar. He 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 agrees that there's dumb people, but he mostly thinks that they're just lazy people. Yes. People just don't wanna just don't wanna take the time to understand. So yeah. but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm like, people can learn. You just have to give them a minute. Absolutely. You gotta explain it in a way that they understand and it, you'll be okay. Absolutely. That's what I believe. I personally lack uh, patience. That's something Ozzy's given me, especially as he's gotten older. Um, he's like basically a hundred year old man at this point. So he, he, he's got a lot of needs now. And I think uh -huh. it just teaches you it, it's a whole different cycle of life. And you have to figure out what he needs, how to be the best, you know, pet parent to him. What is, how can you, how can you give to him in the best way possible? And I think that's important too. And it's something else that kind of touches on one other subject I wanted to talk to you about, which is the role of a pet in a child's life. Some kids will get a, a, a pet and they'll see that pet through every single stage of its life. But can you talk about that? Like how, you know, child development with a pet is something that I know has recently been studied. Um, I don't know if you've looked into any of that research, but what can you tell us about those relationships? You know, the studies are fascinating, specifically when they talk about children who suffer from attention deficit disorders in certain mm -hmm. ways. Uh, they show that in certain studies, uh, children with pets are able to um, or, or have been shown more likely to do their daily skills that are needed for them to mm -hmm. just, you know, live a normal life. Also, it showed, I think, with di uh, children suffering from diabetes, type 1 diabetes, that's often a very difficult disease to deal with as a child. Obviously, you're dealing with adult decisions and you don't understand what's going on and you don't realize the, the importance of managing your sugar and checking your sugar. And they've shown that children who take care of certain pets are more likely to check their glucose readings um, so that they can know and better manage their disease at an earlier wow. rate. And I think that that is personally fascinating because when I think about pets, I didn't necessarily think about that benefit. I thought more about how what you said, pets often teach children about the variations or excuse me, the steps of life mm -hmm. and help you to have those difficult conversations talking yeah. about not just death, but also sex. You know, it's yeah. often difficult <laughs> for people and parents, at least when my in my experience, when teaching about sexual education, when I was a resident, it's often difficult for parents to have a conversation with their children. And sometimes I would use examples of animals um, to help mm -hmm. people understand like, oh, if you're teaching them about animals, that is a fine, normal biologic process. But I think that, yeah, I think pets provide not only that that benefit of having your child more on track the same way it does us adults, but also it provides that level of comfort and then teaches them something about life. Yeah, definitely. And if you're just a person in the world, you know, and you, you see maybe your friend is struggling or a family member. What kind of advice do you give them? Like, I don't want to say like, oh, let me bring my dog to my, you know, friend's house because they're having a hard time. But like, is that something that is helpful? Is that something that would be beneficial? Is that something that a pet parent can think about if they, you know, have somebody in their life who, you know, got a bad diagnosis or is going through something? I think pet parents can remember to use their pets as moments to help with their social relationships with others. You know, I mm -hmm. think using your dog as an example, saying, I like to walk, you love to walk my dog. Do you want to walk my dog with me? Uh, yeah. You know, go, you know, anything to involve the dog going to a park, regardless of what it is, it helps you to create a reason to hang out with that friend. So I think absolutely you should use that as a social vice 
especially because today, you know, we're unfortunately seeing rising rates of anxiety and depression throughout ongoing in the pandemic. It is becoming more common uh, for patients to prevent with acute psychiatric emergencies in the emergency room. And so I think that it's needed more than ever, especially because we're just incredibly stressed. Yeah. Facts. (laughs) Hard to argue with that. Yeah. There's just two more things before we wrap up. Uh, The first being, tell us, where can uh, folks listening learn more about you? Yeah. More about the work that you do. I'm on TikTok as Dr. Darian, D-O-C-T-O-R dot Darian. Um, My twin brother and I, who also happens to be a physician, are coming out with a podcast soon. Stay tuned. Um, It will likely, I can't say the name so far, but stay tuned for that. I'm really, really excited about it. (laughs) What? Yes, everybody listen to the podcast when it comes out and follow Dr. Darian. Like I said, I literally like watch all of his videos. And then the last question maybe the most important, maybe the hardest. Yeah. If you were an animal, what animal would you be? And what would be your favorite activity? Oh my gosh, that is so difficult. (laughs) I'm just trying to think, would I want to be an eagle? Maybe I'd fly and my favorite favorite activity would be flying over water, I think. Oh, but I feel like that's such a, that's such a common answer. It's not. One person has said uh, a bird, but then they were like, actually, no, I want to be a dog. And so, you know. No, I would want to be majestic. I would want people. Yeah, yeah, I'm very that's my brother would say I'm a little vain. I want people to be astonished when I land. (laughs) I would just land in a supermarket parking lot and they'd be like, what is this? People would admire you. Look at him. I love it. Dr. Darian, this is so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on. It was so much fun talking to you as well. I hope you have a great week. You too. You've been listening to Life with Pets, the show that combines real pet stories with proven guidance from pet professionals. I'm your host, Hillary Georgie, and I hope this show has been a great resource for you as a pet parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to download the Buddies app. This episode was produced by the team at mission.org.